الحمد للہ وقف وسلام and would want to be raised on the day of judgment as a member, and would want to be bestowed upon and given akhirah as a member of this group of people that Allah Ta'ala in Qur'an Al-Kareem calls Alladheena Amanu, those who believe, those who have iman in Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, and in all of the articles of Islamic faith. But, the question is, is that what is iman? Is iman in Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala's eyes, is Iman simply to believe in La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah? Can the entire Quran be reduced to a single sentence? That I believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I don't believe in any other God. And I believe in Sayyidina Muhammad Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa as the last final prophet and messenger. And I have these two beliefs generally in my heart. Is that sufficient for Iman? Now that is certainly sufficient to enter into Iman. That is certain, certainly sufficient to qualify as a believer. But if you look in Quran al-Kareem, when Allah subhanahu addresses the alladheena amanu, then He actually invites them to adopt certain sifat, certain attributes, certain characteristics. So in Allah subhanahu eyes, the person who is going to successfully become an alladheena amanu is going to be that person who has and manifests all of these attributes and characteristics that are mentioned by him in Qur'an. So you can think of it like this way, there's an ibtida or a beginning to our iman, but that is supposed to be the beginning of a lifelong journey. And if you begin at the beginning and you end at the beginning, then that means you didn't undertake a journey. For example, at any university, when you grant a student, a prospective applicant, an offer of admissions, if he accepts and enrolls in your university, he admits himself and he simply registers and enrolls and gets himself a card that has his picture and his name and the name of university. But after that, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't attend a single lecture, does not attend a single class, does not write a single essay, does not sit for a single exam. Then what does it really mean for that person to be a student of that university? Yes, he will in theory remain a quote-unquote card-carrying member or student of that university, but is he really learning? Is he really achieving and attaining and fulfilling and progressing, achieving that very purpose for which he enrolled in that university? 
So in other words, when we believe, yes, that there is no God except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we believe that Sayyidina Rasulullah is the last and final prophet, but did we believe these things only to believe them? Or did we believe, take and adopt belief in these two articles of faith because we were going to do something with these two beliefs? Because we were going to begin a journey towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the basis of these two beliefs. This is the decision that we have to make. This is the choice we have to make. Clearly, if we have even a basic familiarity with Qur'an, clearly the entire Qur'an cannot just be reduced to these two things. Otherwise the Qur'an would just be one sentence. There wouldn't be a need for a whole book. There wouldn't be a need to send an entire prophet. There wouldn't be a need for that prophet to live an immaculate life and leave that seerah to tayyibah and that sunnah to mubarakah as his legacy if all you had to do your entire life was simply just believe in these two things. So the real question then <coughs> is that do we want to be Quranic mu'min or do we want to have our own whether it's ideological, whether it's philosophical or whether it's just our own personal concept of what it means to have iman. For example, I've noticed that many people who are educated in the English language secular sciences sense, but not necessarily educated in the knowledge of revelation and spirituality and prophetic biography, they think that Iman means that believe in Allah, don't be an atheist, don't be agnostic, right? Believe in the Prophet and do khidmat of humanity. And that is it. Now if you look at this, now these three things are definitely part of our deen. You have to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have to believe in the Prophet and you have to do khidmat for the sake of love for that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for the love of His creation. But can we say that our entire deen stops there? No, we can't. We would be dishonest. We would be dishonest to Qur'an. And Qur'an is kalamullah. Qur'an is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We would be dishonest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For example, if you work in a corporate workplace and your employer or your immediate supervisor has given you, when they hired you, and in fact when they advertised the position, they listed ten responsibilities. And when they hired you in the interview, they discussed those ten possibilities. And when you joined, your contract, which you signed, even listed those ten responsibilities. But then, during the course of your work, you only fulfill three responsibilities. What will happen to you? You will be fired. And you say, no, but the three I'm doing are things that you want me to do. So your boss will say, yes, the three things that you are doing are things that I want you to do, but where are the other seven of the ten things that I hired you for? Where is the rest of the package? Now imagine a simple corporate employer today, whether it's an NGO, whether it's a money-making multinational corporation, either way, if you don't do each and every single responsibility that is part of your particular position's profile, you will be fired. I said three, if you do nine out of ten, but then you refuse, you actually refuse to do number ten. You say, no, I, I can't do that. I'm too lazy to do that. I'm not interested in that. My personal life does not allow me to do that. They'll say, you signed up for this. You signed up for ten out of ten. So that is why Allah SWT in Quran, He addresses the people of Iman and lets them know what it is that you have signed up for. 
what type of life you now have to live after you have chosen to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Sayyidina Rasulullah you have to now bring up entire life you know I'll give you an example of two historical figures who understood precisely this <coughs> their names are Abu Jahl and Abu Lahab yes Abu Jahl and Abu Lahab it comes in Quran يَعْرِفُونَهُ كَمَا يَعْرِفُونَ أَبْنَاءُهُمْ that they recognized the Prophet ﷺ was indeed a Prophet as clearly as they recognized their children to be their real sons they knew it's not like they denied those were just slanders they came up with that he's a soothsayer, he's a magician right, because they couldn't say anything else <laughs> his whole life was in front of them and that itself is reflective they could not raise their voice on any drop of the Prophet's life either before Nabuwa or after Nabuwa so they had to come up with fabrication of lies rumors and slanders because they had nothing they had nothing to really say why didn't they accept Imam? when you read that ayah in Quran and in Surah Baqarah that they recognized the Prophet like they recognized their own sons they themselves called him as al Amin they knew he was a Prophet why didn't they accept? the reason they didn't accept because they knew that if we accept Iman it's not just about believing in one God or believing in one last and final Prophet we're going to have to change so many things we're going to have to do number one to a hundred things and we don't want to do those other things. <laughs> they had no problem with believing in the Prophet ﷺ as a Prophet. He was a sadiq al Amin. They didn't want to do the other things. <laughs> they actually understood Islam better than we do. In fact, the 21st century Muslim in Karate could go back in time if they had a time travel machine. They could go back 14 years and say, No, no, Abu Lahab and Abu Jal, you can accept Islam. You won't have to change anything. <laughs> Look at me. Right? All you have to do is just believe that there is no other God except for Allah SWT and you just have to believe that He's a Prophet. And that's it. <laughs> and you can do everything else that you want under the sun. <laughs> iman means something. So we have to learn how to value our Iman. We have to learn how to develop our Iman. In this corporate age, everybody always wants to develop their skills. They'll have change management consulting they'll have leadership transformational leadership retreat they will actually spend time and money the consulting industry is a multi-billion dollar industry to help people who are already extremely good at making money to make them even slightly more extremely good at making money that's about it yes <laughs> to increase the profit margin by 3.5 percent Yes, I'm willing to pay you a million dollars to train my five managers so you can increase my profit by 3.5%. But if somebody comes and tries to ask people to increase their iman by 3.5%, what do you molvi So what did Allah subhanahu say in Quran? So the first ayah mentioned, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu Aminu. <laughs> oh, you have Iman. Oh, you have adopted Iman in the basic tenets of belief on your tongue and in your heart. Aminu billahi wa rasuli. Now become a die hard believer in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now live that life 
which demonstrates in every single word you say, and every single thought you think, and every single act and action you commit, and every single feeling in your heart, everything should be made munawwar with the nur of that imam. That's what the sponsor says in the Quran. The ya'lamu sudur. He knows what's in your heart, in your breast. He's interested in how you feel. He knows what you think. He knows what you see. He knows what you say. Allah Ta'ala is interested in everything. He's not absent God. That you just believe in Him as an absent God concept. He's a dynamic Allah. He's Al-Aleem Allah. He's Al-Basir Allah. He's Al-Khabir Allah. He knows and watches and is interested. And yes, regulates every single thing. I was amazed. A Jewish professor in America, Bernard Weiss, when he's talking about Islam, he says that Islam believes in divine sovereignty and human subordination. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that the non-Muslim writer hits the nail on the head and the Muslim who's living in a Muslim society does not show that subordination to Allah SWT? <laughs> non-Muslim writers, every single non-Muslim author who I've ever read, who write any introductory book on Islam, says that Islam is five pillars, and one of those five pillars is to pray five times a day. If they knew, they actually think that every Muslim prays five times a day. <laughs> yes? <laughs> if they only knew that the vast majority of quote-unquote educated Muslims do not pray five times a day, they would actually write it. like this that Islam is five pillars, one of the five pillars to pray five times a day, but the vast majority of Muslims don't pray, especially the elites. <laughs> they should add that sentence. <laughs> they actually don't know. They actually think. <laughs> they actually think that every Muslim prays five times a day. Allah Ta'ala ne bari parda poshikye. Then they write zakat. That's another classic. And you would think, okay, I mean, everybody has to pay zakat upon whom it's first. But maybe you would think that, okay, the people who are lower middle class, who have enough money, that actually zakat is first on them, but still they're living month to month, maybe they would skimp on their zakat. You, you skimp, they would be a little bit lax in giving their zakat. I'm not saying it's permissible. It's not permissible at all. But maybe I could see somebody like that doing it. But no, mashallah. <laughs> the richer the Muslim, the less zakat they pay. Yes? So they should add another line? That another of the five pillars of Islam is zakat. Right? But the vast majority of upper middle class, upper class, and ultra upper class elites in Muslim countries actually don't pay their zakat. You know, as a mufti, sometimes people come and they ask me a question about zakat. And you know the way people in this society ask me? I remember tax lawyers in America. People go to tax lawyers in America and they're looking for a loophole. They go and they show them an income and they're saying, that, look, is there any way I can get a tax refund on this? Can I get a rebound on this? Can I make a claim on this? Can I do this? Basically, they're trying their level best to pay the least amount of tax possible. That's where they go to tax lawyer. So some people come and they say, you know, I have five plots. I have five plots. And yes, the answer is absolutely yes. Other than the home you're living in, and the home you're living in, except in very rare situations, is just one. 
Yes, you have to give zakat on all the other plots and homes and properties because that is considered a commercial asset. That is a property you've held for investment. Even if you think, shy one day I will live there, the day you live there, you will no longer pay zakat on it. And they look at me, and their eyes bulge out of their head. And they're completely devastated that they have to pay two and a half percent. Yes? And fascinating, oftentimes these are the same people who insist on khidmat. Now, one great khidmat of society is called poverty alleviation. Ideally, poverty reduction. Ideally, poverty elimination. I honestly think that if every single person in Pakistan upon whom zakat was due, if he paid their proper zakat on an annual basis to full amount, and yes, it was administered and managed properly, and I would have no problem outsourcing that to the Citizens Foundation or Bahboud organization. I have no problem doing that. But everybody pays the zakat. You guys administer it. The economists administer it. The Mahbis don't need to administer it. The economists and NGO workers administer it. You guys could eliminate poverty in this country. Yes? But they don't do it. They don't do it. Allah Akbar. So then the question is, where is the Imam? Where is the nur of that Imam? Where is the power of the Imam? Where is the transformational change in the individual, in the family, and in the society that's supposed to come along with Imam? Where is the adab and akhlaq that come along with Imam? Where the sifat of tawakkul, sabr, shukr, love for Allah subhanahu wa fear of Allah subhanahu wa taqwa, that's supposed to come along with the Imam? Like a whole checklist, right? And even if we were honest and we were to take a self-assessment worksheet with all of the things that are mentioned in the Quran that a mu'mineen has, we'd be sort of wondering which one we could possibly tick on. And we're not even bothered by this reality. If a student doesn't perform well in their studies, the parents say, okay, at the very least, that's what they talk to the kids. And then they complain about their kids. Right? And then because every parent loves their children, so every parent views their children, then he could have gone to Harvard and Oxford, so he ended up in whatever, I mean, I don't want to take the name of any place to be belittling, but he ended up in XYZ place. Right? And this is exactly how a parent should feel, right? If there's untapped potential, unutilized potential, underutilized potential, that's how a parent should feel. But if a Malvi comes and tries to tell with love to the people that you also are underutilizing your potential, Right? It's our hamdardi for you. It's our love for you. You know, today there's so many people who cry over the lost potential of this country in terms of education. And they're correct. You probably have so many Einsteins and Newtons running around the country, but they were never able to develop because they never got that access to ta'lim. They never got that access to education. You may have philosophers and economists and physicists and literatures, potentials in kids out there, but they never got the potential. So something to cry over, right? 100% I agree. Something to cry over. There's another thing to cry over. 
We have potential awliya out there. I have potential awliya in here. Did today's corporate manager ever think that I actually could have become the Ghazali of the time? I could have been the Rumi of the time? I could have been the Razi of the time? That's another potential that's lost. Why? Because people don't have the tarbiyat. Just like the potential is being lost here because people didn't get ta'lim, the potential is being lost here because people didn't get tarbiyat. Did you ever think, Miranda Kittas, the Verdas Tako, Hostakta? That's also an untapped potential, underutilized potential. Sayyidina Rasulullah said, That human beings are like mines. What does that mean? You have to extract the ore. Allah Subhanahu has put an incredible potential over here in spirituality. In fact, the spiritual potential of human is greater than his intellectual potential. We have been duped. We are so worried about the untapped minds, we have forgotten about the untapped hearts. Yes. We have forgotten about our own untapped hearts. Our own untapped hearts. So when Allah's founder Quran Kareem uses this term, Alladina Amanu. Ya amanu. He's actually making a call out with love that all those of you who have put this incredible seed in your heart called Iman, just like the seeds of this world, one small seed has the potential to become a huge tree with so many fruits and each fruit itself has so many seeds. Just like that, O Alladina Amanu, Allah Ta'ala is saying in Quran, that you've put the seed of Iman in your heart. Do you know what you could become if you develop this seed? Allah Ta'ala wants to show us in Quran. And He gives command after command after command. He highlights an attribute after an attribute after an attribute. And if we were true believers, we would want to do it. We would fulfill it. We would have compliance. Right? With instructions. Just like the person who wants to be a good employee or a good citizen complies. Complies with the laws or the instructions or the policies or the procedures. Non-compliant mu'mineen. That's what we've become. <laughs> Non-compliant mu'mineen. Allahu Akbar. And not a worry about it at all. Not worried about it whatsoever. <laughs> Today, the corporate person is so worried about his annual performance review. is dying to get his increment on his salary. Every year increment and every year bonus in dunya. Have you ever thought every year I should have an increment and a bonus in my taqwa? Can we say that? Can we say that? Before I had junior assistant manager level taqwa. But in 10 years, I want vice presidential taqwa. Yes. And in 15 years, I want CEO of I'm going to be the CEO of taqwa. And the COO of sunnah. Allahu Akbar. Mazaiga. Mazaiga. And you know, I'll tell you honestly, that's what the ummah needs. I'm going to speak some foreign language to you now. You know what the ummah needs? Muttaki MNA. Muttaki DCO. Muttaki SHO, Muttaki Corporate President or Director or Managing Director 
or partner. Yes. We we not want. We don't need we don't need. Ulama don't have to run the country. We want you to run the country with taqwa. That's it. We are more than happy to be khadr of mutaki emine. We're more than happy to be khadr of mutaki corporate sector. Yes? Taqwa, taqwa. And taqwa is not just khidmat. Taqwa is not just khidmat. In fact, in our deen, there is no such thing as morality without spirituality. This is a myth of secularism. Secular humanism is the philosophy that teaches that you can have morality without spirituality. Islam is the name of that deen that insists you will never have baraka wala morality unless you have spirituality. We've made that mistake. No doubt Sayyidina Rasulullah had the highest level of adab and akhlaq. That's part of his legacy. And we should embrace it and adopt that sunnah. But he also had the highest level of taqwa the highest level of Iman, the highest level of Tawakkul, the highest love for Allah SWT, the highest fear of Allah SWT, the highest level of Ibadat of Allah SWT, that's also part of his Sunnah. That we should also embrace that. It's a whole package. We can't take it part and parcel. If anybody thinks, that, no, I can take it part and parcel, then... What we should do is we should take the copy of Quran that we have in our home, we should take scissors, and we should cut out those verses that we don't want to practice. Just cut them out. You know how many times the word taqwa has come in Quran? Cut it out. Cut everything out except the part about other and khidmat. And there is actually versions of Islam out there now. They try to do precisely that. And they market themselves as progressive, as liberal, as reformist, right? Let's take the last word, reform. Reform is an English word, which means reformulate. It's actually abbreviated from reformulate. Reformulate, by definition, means to change the formula. Does the Quran and Sunnah, is that a formula that's inadequate? Is that a formula that needs to be reformulated? Even Coke, the formula of Coke is so sacred. <laughs> they cannot reformulate the secret recipe of Coke. Hmm? By the way, don't get me wrong. Reform, I'm talking about negative reform. I'm not talking about Islam dynamically responding to new challenges today or answering new legal questions, whether it's test you baby, whether it's how to pay zakat in my provident fund. That is there. That's a living tradition. That will continue. I'm talking about reformulating means taking sin out of Islam. Changing the definition of sin. What has always been for 1300 years viewed as sin in the last century to somehow view it's not a sin. That type of reformulating, we can't do that. We can't do that. Sometimes people ask the question about balance. That's a very legitimate question. Right? How do we balance the deen and dunya? So first thing, it's very important to know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not in any way said that you have to spend 24 hours doing ibadah. Although, it would have been his right, Allah ta'ala ko haqtu vaisi Right? But Allah ta'ala said no. That is why in our deen, 
there's no concept of monasticism. Sayyidina Rasulullah said, La Rahbaniyata fil Islam. So you cannot go to some island and live on a monastery your whole life. Or if you're a woman, you cannot go live in a convent your whole life. You cannot pledge yourself to a house of worship and say, I'm just going to worship for 80 years or however long I live. No. You have to live in the world. You have to find Allah through this world. In this world. You will have to earn in the world. You will have to face pitfalls in the world. You will have to face challenges in the world. You will have to do khidmat of the people of the world. You will have to have family life, societal life, communal life, human civilizational life. You have to interrelate and positively relate with people of other faith. You have to do all of that. Alright. So then, the question is then, that covers the dunya side, right? In other words, it's not a one-sided affair. There is some notion of balance. But what does balance mean? Right? So, there could be a few options. First option would be, there will be a few case studies. The first case, or first scenario, would be that, okay, what if the deen tells me to do something, and the dunya is telling me to do something else? Right? That could be one case that a person could encounter. That the deen wants me to do this, but the dunya wants me to do this. Now, in that case, can we really speak of balance? Let me use another word for deen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Deen is deen from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now let me rephrase that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says I should do this. And the dunya says I should do this. Now, first of all, is there any balance between Allah ta'ala and the dunya? These are incomparable. As far as that is concerned, it's a completely one-sided matter. There is no question of balance in terms of authority, in terms of priority, in terms of sha'an, in terms of majesty, in terms of value. There's not even comparison, let alone balance. So, when it's that situation, sometimes it happens. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants X, and the dunya wants Y. Dunya can mean my nafs, can mean society, can mean family, can mean people, whatever it is. In that case, there is no question of balance. It's a crystal clear answer. If you're a mu'min, if you believe in Allah, you live in the dunya, but you don't have iman in the dunya, do you? <laughs> do we have iman in dunya, or we have iman in Allah SWT? Obviously, we have iman in Allah SWT. So in that case, the question is clearly Allah SWT. The answer is clearly Allah SWT. Second case is okay. It's not a halal or haram issue. Second case is okay. This is preferred in deen. And this choice, it's not haram, but it's less preferred. Now let's rephrase it. It's preferred in dunya. This would be preferred in my deen. This course of action, this way of life, this way of talking, this way of living, this way of behaving, would be preferred in deen. And this other one is what is preferred in dunya. So it's a question of preference, right? Not a question of lawful, unlawful. A question of what's preferred, right? Preference and priority. Even then I ask you, if deen means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and dunya means dunya, so does Allah ta'ala have preference over the dunya, or can the dunya have preference over Allah? Can anybody say that? Can anybody say the dunya has preference over Allah? Or the dunya has priority over Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So again, in the second case, there's no question of balance. It's a completely one-sided matter. Whenever you are confronted with anything in any arena of your life, 
when one thing is preferred by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and something else is preferred by the dunya, absolute, it's a question of absolute, it's not relatives. Absolute, there's no relativity here. Absolutely clear that absolutely every single time you will have to do what's preferred by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Third possibility. Third possibility is okay. There's something in the deen and there's something in the dunya and they're both preferred by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For example, in your dunya, Allah ta'ala prefers that you should be able to earn and work on your own rather than depend on others. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prefers that you should, if you have the ability and opportunity to earn and work, work such that you earn more than you need then if, and then you can do khidmat of others, that's also preferred by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you will find that there's some things that are preferred by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and preferred by the dunya. That's where the balance exists. The can you live a life? In other words, a balanced life means that you do every single thing in your life that is both preferred by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and preferred by the dunya. That's the only balance that exists between dunya and dunya. And you could be like that. That's what we call in Arabic, Nurun al-Nur. What you call Urdu Sona for Suhaga. But that means Talim plus Tarbiyat. You had to do both. If you have Talim and Tarbiyat, then you become a person who is preferred by Allah Subhanahu and is preferred by the dunya. But if you have Talim and you don't have Tarbiyat, then you won't have that preference. Let me give you another example. Four words that we hear often in Urdu. Me'ar. First word is me'ar. What does me'ar mean? That I want to attain a high standard. Higher standard of living. I want to have drive a high standard car. I want to have a high standard of clothing. I would like to marry into a family of high standard. I would like my children to go to a school of a high standard. Then I would like them to go to a university of a high standard then I would like them to reach a level in their profession of a high standard, right? So when you're looking at the dunya, what is the word that is being used over and over and over again? Mayar, 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 right? And yes, Allah SWT wants that whatever intelligence, sifat, istidad, salayat He has given you, that is a nikmat, a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and you must use that to the level of mayar, means you should not be lazy, you should not underperform, you should not slack. So in that, actually, you are able to do what is preferred by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and preferred by the dunya. However, when it comes to deen, you could have chosen the same thing. In other words, you could have chosen the same word, mayar. But no, instead, whenever it comes to deen, then a person comes with another word, another three words in Urdu. First is guzara. Yes? First word is guzara. You need dunya ke har kaam mein kya chaate hai meyar. Or Allah ta'ala bhi chaate hai ki aap meyar wale bano. To woh to bhi kutheek ho gaya. Dono taraf durust. Allah ta'ala ke nazik bhi durust. Dunya ke taur bhi durust. Alright? Fine. Fast. When it comes to deen, what does the person say? Guzara. Who can say, Me meyari taqwa mera paas hai? Ah, you can say, Meyari gaari me drive karta. I know many of you can say that. Civic Corolla Plus. Right? Meyari taqwa. It's not even on our horizon. It's not even our list of things to do. 
it's not our today list of things to do. It's not our year resolution things to do. It's not on our five-year plan. It's not on our ten-year plan. It's not on our lifetime plan. It's not even part of the wasiyat that we leave for our children. It's not even in our wasiyat. It's not even in the legacy that we give to our next generation. Mayari taqwa. Mayari sabr. Mayari shukr. Gazara. Another word that is used in place of mayar is zururi. Zururi. Zururi means that what? That whenever they, one hears anything about deen, the first question is, kya ye Islam me zururi hai? Do you know how many times I've gotten this? I, I could, I wish I had even a dollar for how many times I've gotten this question. Kya ye deen me zururi hai? And there are many versions of that, right? Okay. So, what is this person trying to tell me? This person is obviously sending me a signal that if zururi hai, manne ke liye or karne ke liye tiyar, right? Or agar zururi nahi, to manne ke liye or karne ke liye nahi tiyar, right? Okay. So, let's say next time a kid comes to me and says that I want to do an MBA at Lums. Should I tell him that kya MBA karna zururi hai? Should I adopt that philosophy when it comes to the dunya? Or somebody comes and, you know, I've been working three years in my corporate firm and there's an internal vacancy for a position one level above mine. Do you think I should apply? Should I tell him? Kya promotion milna zururi? Now it's another word. Let me give you the Arabic word for zururi. That's called fard, right? So what the person is telling me, that I only do it if it's fard. That's what they're telling me. When it comes to deen, they don't want mi'ar, right? I'm saying these are what they're contrasting to mi'ar. They want fard. That's okay. What does fard mean in English? Arabic fard, English, Urdu zaruri. English means what's the bare minimum necessary requirement. Minimalist approach to deen. Alright. So, do we take that approach to our dunya? For example, eating. What's the fard amount to eat? Zaruri kana. That is to eat that much so that you don't die that day of hunger. That's first. <laughs> MashaAllah, hum so itne nafal khana khate. Right? Uh, let's look at drinks. Drinking? Zyada khush nahi hona. Drinks nahi ga. Drinking. Kya kya te? So let's say water. Right? What's the first amount to drink? Only that amount of water so that you don't die of thirst. Amamare kitna nafal pina. Until let's take clothes. Farad clothing is two sets of clothing, because sometimes one may get napak, so while you're washing that or waiting for somebody to wash it, you should have another set to wear. And now go home and open your wardrobe and you will see so much nafil. <laughs> and mashallah, or they be bad here. And kithi jutal say, itne nafil rakat, nafil tadad jutene. Nafil? Right? So nafil when it comes to eating, nafil when it comes to drinking, nafil when it comes to clothing. Let's look at education. I don't advocate this, because I think this is an incorrect way of life, to only do what's zururi. But I'm trying to show you. I'm trying to flip the mirror. Exactly. You find this, to some of you are laughing, you find this a nonsensical approach to life. We find it a nonsensical approach to deen. 
When somebody asks me, kya ye zururi hai? When you ask me that about deen, it is as nonsensical. I say, yes, Quran mein hai. Allah Ta'ala ki chahat hai. Allah Ta'ala ki mancha hai. Allah Ta'ala ki pasand hai. Aap zururi ki puchte Let's look at husband-wife relationship. How would you like it if the women, if your husbands, or the men, if your wives, any time and every time you ask them something, is zururi? Can merely aapne khana pakana zururi hai? Right? <laughs> hmm? that's, you would say that's an absurd approach to take let's take let's go to your jobs right have you ever once in your entire corporate career asked your boss that sir is it absolutely necessary that email you sent me you told me to do X is it absolutely essential and necessary and required for me to remain in my job to do that? Look at what the, what he'll say. What in the world type of question is that? He says, I told you to do it, you do it. It's that simple. No, 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 but sir, I want to know, if I don't do it, will I get fired? Because <laughs> if you tell me I'll get fired, then I'll do it. But otherwise, I ain't going to do it. <laughs> Allah Akbar. <laughs> It's a completely absurd philosophy. I've shown you in every arena of life. Ab dil se baat sunen, dil se, vanasti dil se. Kya dunya mein har har shobe mein hum meyar chahte hain? Kya sirf us ek Allah Taala ke ek din mein hum guzara karna chahte hain? Baaki har cheez mein meyar? Sirf us ek Allah ke ek din mein humne ye falsafa shuru kiya ki humne sirf woh karna hai jo zaruri hai. Doesn't sound nice to me. Doesn't sound balanced to me. No way. I cannot say that that's balanced. That is severe imbalance. That is completely one-sided. What we want, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants, is come dilwala iman Dilwala bani. Just like every husband wants a dilwala wife, every wife wants a dilwala husband. We should also try to be the Dilwala Abd and Mu'min of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Instead of being Myari Mu'min. Sometimes I explain it to people this way. I say, Chalo, kitna achha mujhe banna hai. Right? I say, Chalo, manna hai mujhe bhi achha banda, Allah ka banna bhi banna chan. Kitna achha. Very simple. Jitna achha rab wo hai, utne achha aap unke abd banna. Jitna achha wo aap ki kifalat kar rahe hai, اتنے ہی اچھی ان کی عبادت کرو وہ آپ کی اچھی کفالت نہیں کر رہے آپ کے مزے اتنی اچھی عبادت عبادت ریئل عبادت ڈونٹ تھنک عبادت از جس خدمت سیدنا رسول اللہ कितना अच्छा उम्मती बनना है जितना अच्छा वो नबी थे यस दैट्स सिंपल अल्हम्दुलिल्लाह अल्लाह ताला बहुत मियारी रब है और अल्हम्दुलिल्लाह अल्लाह ताला ने बहुत मियारी नबी करीम सल्लल्लाहु अलैहि वसल्लम भेजा और अल्हम्दुलिल्लाह ताला ने मियारी किताब हम पर नाज़िल फरमाया कुरान हम भी मियारी बंदे बन जाए नोबडी इन दिस वर्ल्ड लाइक्स एनीथिंग दैट इज सबस्टैंडर्ड Why in the world would we want to have substandard iman? 
We have to be true. We have to be loyal. We have to be loving. We have to be passionate. We have to be sincere. Mu'mineen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in sincere muttabi'een of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So now I want to talk to you about one sifat. Right? Because I have to give you some practical way to start. Because many people, they want to know, okay, for me, what's the entry point? Now, mashallah, I am educated, I am accomplished, I am settled in dunya. I am drowning in the mercies and blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If I want it, okay, can you give me some footsteps, some baby steps to take towards this journey? Because I'm not trying to expect anybody going to change entirely overnight. So that's my job, to give you some entry point, some direction. So that's what I want to give you. I'm going to start with one sifat, one ayah of Qur'an, of the Alladina Amanu ayat, right? One of those things that Allah SWT says in Qur'an. And if you can begin with that one, and if you can do that one correctly, inshaAllah ta'ala, you will get all the other sifat and mu'minana mentioned in Qur'an. And what is that ayah Allah SWT said in Qur'an? وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُمَّا لِلَّهِ That indeed those who have iman are extremely intense in their love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to become a lover of Allah. We want Allah-focused imam. Start with that. Don't try to change the society, bring about khilafat. Start with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Start with Allah. That those who have imam are the extremely intense, intensely extreme. This is the real Islamic extremism. Yes. Intensely extreme and extremely intense in their love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what we're missing. That's what we're missing from our heart. Just like when the car runs out of fuel. Even if it's an incredible car, it can't move. <coughs> Even if it's a Mercedes, it can't move. We have all this slayat, all this talim. But if we don't have the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we can't move towards Him. We can't get His qurb. We can't feel His mayyat. We can't be people of true shukr. We can't be people of ibadah. Some people find salah difficult. They find sadza difficult. They find reading Quran difficult. They find making wudu in the winter difficult. It's because the love isn't there. The passion isn't there. So the first thing is that we should love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The deen is about emotion. It's about feeling. It's about passion. Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala made our deen a deen of lovers. Whether it's Imam of Ghazai Rimullah, whether Shaykh Abdul Jinani Rahmatullah, whether Malana Rum Rahmatullah, whether all Sahaba Ikram, Radiallahu Ta'ala Anu Majma'in, or the greatest lover of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, our deen is a deen of lovers. <laughs> Lovers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you know, even the very fact, especially in this part of the world, in Pakistan, the only reason we're Muslim, <laughs> notwithstanding that today many Pakistanis like to think that their origin was from Arabia, or they were Bukhari, 99% of Pakistanis, their origin is right here in Desi land. <laughs> means 99% of Muslims in Pakistan are descendants from some Hindu in India who converted to Islam, Hindu and pre-partition, pre-British even India, who accepted Islam at the hands of one of the lovers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who are called Allah. The very fact that this namath of Islam is in our household, is because they were lovers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this ummah. That is a historically accepted, documented fact. 
Muslim historians, non-Muslim historians, the way Islam spread in South Asia, 90% of it spread through awliyaullah, through lovers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So every one of us is descendant from some great-great-great-great-great-grandfather or some great-great-great-great-great-grandmother who fell in love with the lover of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who fell in love with a lover of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and through that means themselves became the lover of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ki muhabbat humare khandani cheez hai. Humare apni cheez hai. Asul humare yeh varasat hai. Yes. We should reclaim that heritage. We should try to feel that same love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the very first forefather or foremother of ours felt. We should reconnect to that feeling of love. Two reasons why people don't feel that love. So I'll do very briefly. But these are each one is a separate lecture of itself. First reason is materialism. Just think of it very simply. The more and more you love the world, the less you will love Allah subhanahu ta'ala. It's guaranteed. The more and more you love the world, mostly that means you love money or status or fame, then the less you will love Allah subhanahu ta'ala. Everybody can then now just apply this test to their own heart. This is why Sayyidina Rasulullah said a hadith, dunya He didn't say kasbud dunya, he said hubbud dunya. Not earning in the world, not studying in the world, not living in the world, loving the world is going to be the source of all evil. Loving the world. Why? Because ma'abbat, that was reserved for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That was precisely that human emotion that is reserved for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or for creation in His name and for His sake. The first thing that keeps us away from the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala materialism is love for the world. Many times we give this example that you will find, it's amazing, you will find that let's say there's a sida, koi sida let's say like a true civil servant, right? Who's not, you know, really savvy in real estate or investments. And he happens to meet two or three of his old college friends, right? And he's sitting with them. And those two or three friends, they start talking about the real estate investment they made. And Falan Katai Kimene Falan Jagaplat Liyata, Dasan Pere, or Abbas Kipan Chiguna Kimen Ziyadabarge. And the other one says the same thing. Now, this fellow, for 30 years of his life, he never dreamed in his life about property. Now he's sitting there, He goes home thinking, Oh, I feel so sad. I wish he tells them that you should have told me. Right? Maybe invest karta. And yes, sadma, ek sadma Yes? <laughs> That's called love for the world. The same person, if he meets one friend of his, who starts praying tahajjud, starts following the sunnah, koi sadma ne hoga. Okay, go. Tujhe kya hoga? Tumhaldi bangya. Kya hoga? Right? <laughs> and if the friend tells him, ke yaar mein aku ek baat batao. Kal raat mein tahajjud ki namaz pari. Or vaki us vakt mein wohi lutfi jo loh kete te tha. Vaki sahi hai. It will have no effect on him. He won't say, Aapne mujhe kyun nahi uthaya? Mujhe kyun nahi bataya? Nahi? That's a sign. doesn't have love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has love for the world. The more and more you love the world, not have the world, you can be a millionaire and love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sayyidina Usman al-Ghani, 
Radiallahu is a living example in Sahaba. He was Al-Ghani. He gave a lot of money. He was still Al-Ghani. He still gave a lot of money. Allah still killed Captain Al-Ghani. He passed away Al-Ghani. Having the world is not a problem in Islam. Loving the world is a problem. Second thing that keeps people from loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is secularism. Secularism is the name of that philosophy that teaches the Muslim that you don't need to love Allah, you don't need to worship Allah, you don't need to obey Allah. All that you need to do is be a quote-unquote good person. But the definition of being a good person, a good person does not include being a good namazi, does not include being a good muttaqi, does not include being having good adab and akhlaq. Yes? You may be thinking, no, no, good person included the last one at least, right? No. That is a very superficial level of adab and akhlaq. Superficial. You may be able to know an employee of the month award. How many of you could win husband of the year award? I just interview your wives and they will tell me how deep your adab and akhlaq are. That's what the women say in Pakistan. Huh? That's why Sayyidina Rasulullah said, the best of you in the eyes of Allah subhanahu is the one who is the best of you in the eyes of his wife. Yes. You know what true other bin akhlaq is? That's the other bin akhlaq of Sahaba Ikram. They used to walk the world and people would be mesmerized by them. People would melt. They would be able to melt the hearts of people with their other men akhlaq. What does it mean? They melted the hearts of people so much that when people met them, they would say to them, that I want to be just like you. That's how they would accept Islam. There was no theological discussion that would take place. There was no teaching of entire Qur'an or comparative religion that took place. No. It was the adab and akhlaq of Sabiqram. Just like those only Allah I told you that all of us are descended from, right? When they came to India, there was not some huge theological scholastic discussion of Hinduism, right? There was not some huge intellectual presentation of Islam. They had real adab and akhlaq. So people looked at them and said, I want to be just like you. How many of the quote-unquote secular Muslims can tell me today that people tell them that? How many of your colleagues have ever told you, I want to be just like you? How many of your sons have ever told you that I want to be just like you? Hmm? For Sahaba Ikram, absolute strangers would tell them that. Absolute strangers would tell them that. That's real of the Manakhla. That's deep of the Manakhla. Awliya Allah, but they came from abroad. They're also strangers. Non-Indian. Awliya came into India. And all of our forefathers, at some level, said to them, I want to be just like you. Hmm? I also have family in India. In fact, I have first cousins who are Hindu. I have mixed Hindu Muslim family. Maybe some of you are the same way. How many of you can say even one single Hindu in India ever said that to you? I want to be just like you. It's difference, right? The difference. 
So true other than akhlaq, true morality comes with spirituality. True morality comes with spirituality. So now then the big question of the night, how can I get this love for Allah SWT? How can I increase in my love for Allah SWT? How can I at least start beginning some drops of love for Allah SWT in my heart? That's the big question. So for that we're going to mention to you five things. Number one. And then five things, and I'm going to tell you one special secret, and then we will end. So five things and one special secret. First thing, how to increase in your love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Read, understand, and feel the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is natural, that whenever you read the words, even of a human being, you feel more connected to them. And whichever being you're more connected to, you will read their words more. If you're really connected to someone, and you even have one old letter from them, you will read it over and over again. And every time you read it, you will feel more of a connection to them. You will feel more and more connected every time you read it. So Qur'an al-Kareem is actually a love letter from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to each and every one of us. That's what Qur'an is. And if you loved Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you would love reading His love letter to you. Yes? You would love to read His love letter to you. Yes? And if somebody who you're not interested in sends you a love letter, you just, you probably throw it away. And best you may just keep it on the side and never read it ever again. So to be connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have to be connected to Kalamullah. You have to be connected to it. And all three things are part of that connection. Recitation in the Arabic original is part of that connection. Because the translation is not Kalamullah. That's the Kalam of some insan in some other language. Where he has tried to render the meanings of the Arabic original. But it's not Kalamullah. It doesn't have the same effect. You know, Qari Abdul Basit Abdul Samad, he once went to the Russian... I, I have heard the story from a live eyewitness who accompanied him on his trip to Moscow. And this was in the Soviet communist era. Those of you who may have heard of him, Qari Abdul Basit Abdul Samad, in terms of the 20th century, is broadly viewed to be the most famous and well-known reciter of Qur'an al-Kareem. He was from Mr. Egypt. And he recited Qur'an inside the parliament at Kremlin in the Moscow. And several parliamentary Russians started crying at his recitation. Did they understand? They understand a word of Arabic. <laughs> they did not understand. It's not a new understanding. There's the power of Quran. That's the power of Kalam. The power of the original Arabic Kalam. It's divine speech. It's the word of God. Allah Akbar. No other religion even has that. Christians read the Bible in English. And they even themselves say that the disciples of Jesus wrote these words down. They don't even claim. I've had Professors of theology openly say this. Same with the Jews. Who is reading their original word of God and their original word and language? That's the Muslims. It's a very special thing. Very special thing. Second thing about so first connection is recitation. Second is understanding. Now, and third thing is feeling. I want to explain to you, understanding and feeling cannot come from translation alone. I will prove it to you using the example of Surah Fatiha. 
Every single one of you, pretty much every one of you, knows the translation of Surah Fatiha. Everyone must know the translation of Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Right? When you pray and you say that, does your heart feel it? If translation was sufficient, then your heart would be melted with love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just when you said Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. But it doesn't happen. You whiz through it. Allah <laughs> Yes? <laughs> That's how you recite? That's how you recite? Na'udhu Right? That's not feeling. <laughs> you know the translation. So if translation couldn't help you in Fatiha, <laughs> become a person of understanding and feeling, that's not going to help in other places in the Quran. Because that's just where Fatiha, the translation is quite self-explanatory. It doesn't even require commentary, right? There are some passages in the Quran where the translation is not even self-explanatory. It would require detailed commentary to understand it. So become a person of understanding and feeling. How will that happen? Very simple. In order to become a person of understanding and feeling Quran, Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, فَاسْأَلُوا أَحْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ If you don't have that ilm, you don't have that understanding, Allah Ta'ala is saying that you must get it from the Ahlul Dhikr, from the people of feeling. If you go to the people who have understanding and feeling, then you will also get understanding and feeling. means you will have to study Tarjima and Tafsir, and you're an Alamim Mufassire Ashik Quran. Yes? You will have to study Tarjima and Tafsir, and you're an Alam Mufassir Ashik of Quran. Then, Badmani. Yes? Just like if you want to really enjoy and feel Shakespeare's poetry, you have to study it with somebody who is an alam and ashik of Shakespeare's poetry. Yes? So first thing, first way to increase in our love for Allah is to connect with Kalamullah. Second way, to increase in our love for Allah Taala is to increase our connection with the Rasul of Allah Taala. With the Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yani Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you have to be connected to the Prophet of Allah. How? Same way. Same way. Reading, understanding, and feeling. You should read his life, read his biography, read his seerah, read his words of wisdom, read his teachings, read his anecdotes, read about his stories. Read about the way he interacted with Sahaba. Read about how he trained the Sahaba. Read about how he guided the Sahaba. Read about how he forgave the non-Muslims. Read about all of that. And keep reading it over and over again. So the problem with the educational system in Pakistan is there is nothing to do with Sira after all levels. It's finished. A 15-year-old, that's it. It's done. And some very nice, well-intentioned, well-meaning, well-educated people in their 40s plus can actually say, honestly, I've never read any page of Sirius since I was 15. How sad? How sad? So read it, understand it, feel it, and apply it in your life. Be like Him. Yes? This is what Allah tells in the Quran. لَكَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ أُسْفَةٌ حَسَنًا Allah Ta'ala didn't give you a guzara namuna. Allah Ta'ala gave you the most ideal, the greatest human being, the greatest prophet, the greatest creation, the highest level, 
That is what Allah has made our target. Uswatul Hasana. That the Prophet is the role model for you. He is the ideal. He is the noble and beautiful example. Ya Allah, you're ordinary human beings. You're asking us to show up on the Day of Judgment patterned and modeled after Him? Allah Ta'ala said, yes, yes. Exactly, that's exactly what I'm asking. <laughs> you know why Allah Ta'ala is asking that? You know why? Because you had the audacity to say, Ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh. You were so bold to say, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Yes. You entered Alladina Amanu. You're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to work for it. So connect to the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Read his du'as. Read his seerah. Read his a'mal. Read his sunnah. Love his sunnah. Love his du'as. Love his a'mal. Love his seerah. Emulate, imitate, practice his a'mal. Emulate, imitate, practice his sunnah. Emulate, imitate, practice his adab. Emulate, imitate, practice his akhlaq. Then you will be connected to Allah SWT. Because he is the great connector. That's who the prophets are. They are those human beings who are connectors to Allah SWT. You have to get connected to the connector. <laughs> you have to get connected to the connector. So first way... To increase in our love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To be connected to Quran, Kitabullah. Second is to be connected to Sunnah, Sayyidina Rasulullah. Third way to be connected is called Zikrullah. Ibadatullah. Yes. We cannot take Ibadat out of deen. It's just not possible. It's not possible. It's just impossible to do that. You have to have Ibadat. Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, so what do I want, what would I want from you? Just increase. That's it. Increment. Increment. If you're Juma wala, be Juma plus one namaz a day wala. If you're already Juma plus one namaz a day wala, become two, three namaz wala. If you're two, three, four namaz a day wala, why don't you're so close? <laughs> why don't you become five namaz wala? Hmm? And work on that namaz. Work on the quality mayar. Right? I mean I say, okay, fine, I understand that you may not be able to do all of the nawafil, all of the detailed, beautiful things that the Allah did that made them the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But at least, at least we could pray namaz and have a mayar wala namaz. You know what you will get if you have mayar wala namaz? You will get lutf and lazat wala namaz. You will enjoy it. <laughs> you will love it. You will get pleasure from it. And when you get hooked onto that pleasure, then you will be able to unhook yourself off from some of the pleasures of this world. Because you're not hooked onto the pleasure of salah, you remain hooked onto pleasures. And some people are actually hooked onto unlawful pleasures only for this reason. They think, no, that's the way I am. I have this insatiable desire. I have this uncontrollable lust or whatever. No. You were simply too lazy to hook yourself onto the pleasure of salah. You let yourself be unhooked on Allah. Therefore, you got hooked onto Allah. If you could learn to become hooked on Allah, you could easily become unhooked from Allah Easily. Many times we give people the example of ice cream. That I'm going to give it to you in a different way. 
Imagine if somebody tells me they're hooked onto Wall's chocolate ice cream. I say, Adarav Shabash. Take one teaspoon of Haagen-Dazs ice cream. But, finished. <laughs> finished. <laughs> they will be unhooked from Wall's their whole life. And they will be now be hooked onto Haagen-Dazs. <laughs> yes? <laughs> so whatever those pleasures they are, it may be your cigarette, it may be your cigar. Yes? Don't look at whether it's unlawful or lawful or disliked. Look at where is my pleasure and passion. It's misplaced. My pleasure and passion was supposed to be that sajda. My pleasure and passion was supposed to be that subhanu rabbil Allah. That's what it was supposed to be. Whatever it may be. Maybe golf. Maybe, I don't know, what in the world has become? Right? Why is my pleasure and passion not salah? Because you have to make it. You have to work. You will have to work at it. But if you work at it, it's like Hagen Das. It's going to win you over very quickly. <coughs> so this is sometimes what we call it, Zikrullah. So for that, two things. One is Salah, Namaz. And the second is actual Zikr. Zikr, I'm saying in a loose way. So I'm going to teach you the easiest type of Zikr tonight. The easiest type of Zikr. It's so easy, you can do it any single time of the day. Anywhere that you are. No matter what you're doing. Yes? <laughs> so easy. You can do it in the workplace. You can do it in the office. You can do it in the shop. You can do it in the business. You can do it on the site. You can do it in the school. You can do it in the college. You can do it in the university. You can do it at home. You can do it while working, while studying, while eating, while shopping. Yes? Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, That there are such people that even when they're ingrained in commerce and sale, even when they're in the heart of worldly activity, they don't stop making this particular type of zikr. <coughs> and this is silent. I mean, don't, you don't use your tongue, because your tongue may be busy lecturing, your tongue may be busy talking. Nothing to do with the tongue. Silent remembrance of Allah Subhanahu in your heart. Simply in your heart to feel a feeling for Allah SWT. Sometimes that may be a feeling of love for Allah SWT. Sometimes it may be a feeling of shame in front of Allah SWT. Sometimes it could be a feeling of fear of Allah SWT. Sometimes you can reflect on one of Allah SWT's names, the Asma Husna. For example, Allah Razak, just remember it and you will feel it. You will feel that Allah has given me so much. Allah has he has hidden our sins, concealed our flaws and sins from others. So when you're sitting with people and they're praising you or they're looking at you fondly, you can think Allah tells me so sitar with me. <laughs> they don't even know my reality. You should feel the feelings for Allah subhanahu wa should feel the feelings in your heart for Allah subhanahu wa You can think about some verse of Quran. For example, Allah subhanahu wa said in Quran, فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ but indeed, I am close. You can feel it in your heart. My Allah is close to me. I am close to my Allah. Allah That I am closer to you than your own self. So there are many, many ways. In any way that you can, feel some feeling in your heart. Silently, humbly, secretly, just feel a feeling for Allah subhanahu That's zikrullah. That's the way to do zikr. What does this mean? The more and more you will start feeling feelings for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, feelings of remembrance for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the more and more you will love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes? In other words, maybe to put it even simply, Allah ta'ala is so amazing 
so amazing that even just the more you think about him, the more you will love him. That's all it would have taken. <laughs> yes? The more you reflect on him. Just like the beloveds of this world, when a person just even thinks about them, just reflects on their attributes, their sifat, their wonders, they start falling even more in love with them. Right? The same thing would work with Allah SWT. Just start feeling feelings and remind yourself throughout the day. The way to do this, keep reminding and reminding and reminding your heart to remember Allah SWT. Then keep reminding, keep reminding, keep reminding, keep reminding, then your heart will start remembering. Then keep reminding, keep reminding, then your heart will start remembering, remembering, remembering. Then one day will come, then your heart will start reminding you of Allah SWT. Yes? Your heart will start reminding you. Somebody does something bad to you, and all of a sudden you're going to speak out in anger. Your heart will remind you of Allah. Oh, you bite your tongue. Something attractive appears in front of you that Allah doesn't want you to be attracted to. <laughs> yes? All of a sudden your heart, but you're about to. All of a sudden your heart will remind you to be attracted to His beauty. You will not notice that beauty. Yes? Can you imagine what it would be like to have a heart like that? That a heart that reminded you of Allah SWT. To have that kind of heart, you have to first remind your heart of Allah SWT. Because it's been so long. <laughs> it's been so long. Fourth thing. Fourth of the five things. First is Quran. Second was Sunnah. First was the book of Allah. Second was the Prophet of Allah Third is the worship and remembrance of Allah SWT. Fourth thing is what we call Suhbah. Allah said in Quran, Kunu ma'as-sadikin. Suhbah de sadikin. But for you to continue on this Kitabullah, Rasulullah, Ibadatullah, and Zikrullah, we can call this Sohbata Ahlullah. That's what they say in Urdu, very simply. Kisabzi, Sabzi wala simultai. Pal, pal wala simultai. Allah, Allah wala simultai. Anji. Yes? Allah, Allah wala simultai. Allah ki muhabbat, jim muhabbat karne wale on simultai. That's why Sayyidina Rasulullah Sami taught us to make dua. Allahumma inna nas'aluka hubbaka wa hubba man yuhibbuk. Allah I ask that you make me love you, and I ask that you make me love those who love you. Because maybe I'm not ready enough to love you, but if I love those who love you, then maybe some of the love that they have for you in their heart will wear, rub off on me, will be refracted inside of me. Yes. Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanatakum laha, that Allah Amanu, same Allah Amanu, same us, same us. Oh, you have Iman, ittakullah, have taqwa. Fear Allah SWT as He deserves to be feared. Be aware and conscious of Allah SWT as it is might and majesty over you that you should always and ever be aware and conscious of Him. And you should join your very being. You should attach yourself. You should sit in the company and the gathering of those who are true to Allah SWT. When the untrue puts himself with the true, then the untrue also starts becoming true. That's what Allah is saying in Quran. If you feel, I am Ghir Mukhlis, I am Ghir Sadiq, I am not loyal to Allah, I haven't been true to Allah, I haven't been sincere to Allah, just start sitting with the people who are truer to Allah than us, more sincere to Allah SWT than us, more loyal to Allah SWT than us, in that case even you will get that feeling. You need the Sohbah. You need that company. That's why everybody calls that first generation Sahaba. Because they had the greatest sohbah of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Sohbah. Sohbah. 
is a big part of our day. یعنی اردو انداز میں آپ اپنا اٹھنا بیٹھنا ایک دو موضوع کے ساتھ رکھ لو ہاں جی ایک دو اللہ والوں کے ساتھ رکھو ایک دو اللہ والا سے محبت کرنے والوں کے ساتھ رکھو اٹھنا بیٹھنا خدمت کرتے کسی کے You be amazed when you sit with the only Allah, they view themselves as your khadim. They view you as makhdum. Yes. <laughs> This is a different relationship. This is a lilla relationship. This is a filla relationship. Have a relationship with someone for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But mere bandhe ke saath na koi khamdani taluk, na koi kabaili taluk, na koi kaam ki wajah se taluk. Bas min bas Allah ta'ala ki khatrun ke saath mil baith taun kabhi kabhi. Bas, that's it. You increase in your love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Yes? Some part of my life, Allah ta'ala, I did just for you. And the fifth thing, the fifth thing, fifth of five things, is to start having talab for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the greatest tragedy. And if you don't have number five, nothing we talked about today will be able to do it. At least have a desire in your heart for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. means start wanting Him. I'll tell you in very simple English. When you start wanting Allah, when you start wanting Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will start wanting you. Allah Akbar. Yes? When you start desiring Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, just desire. Not even talking about Amal yet. Just wanting Him. Just desiring Him. When you start wanting and desiring Him, He will start wanting and desiring you. When He starts wanting and desiring you, then all of the amal and everything else will start to become easier. So now how difficult is that? <laughs> is that difficult? If I said just start wanting Him, that's what Allah said in Quran, Ya ayuhal insan, ma ghazaka binabbikul kareem. So humanity, what in the world has happened to you that you don't even want Him anymore? And He is your Rabb, Rabbika. Allah, look at the beauty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because who is He addressing? He is addressing that person who has left Allah, who has become distracted from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who has become a ghafir from Allah. Allah ta'ala in the Quran is saying, that Allah, who Rabbi Kaaba says, who is Rabbi Medina says, who is Rabbi Mustafa says, who is Allah ta'ala in the Quran is saying, Rabbika, I am your Rabb. Ya Allah, you are my Rabb. This is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When He says, Rabbuka, that I am your Rabb. You should take that gift and clasp it to yourself. Rabbi, you are my Rabb. Yes, Allah. <laughs> For every time He says, Rabbuka, you should say, Rabbi. <laughs> Just start wanting. Start wanting Allah and start wanting to make Allah ta'ala yours. That's the fifth way. To increase in your love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if so, say, Aaj, Allah ta'ala ki chakhne wale baat ka mongi. اللہ تعالیٰ سے گاڑی مانگنے والے بہت اللہ تعالیٰ سے نوکری مانگنے والے بہت اللہ تعالیٰ سے امن اطمینان مانگنے والے بہت اور یہ سب چیز اللہ تعالیٰ سے مانگنی چاہیے مگر اللہ تعالیٰ سے اللہ مانگنے والے بہت کم ہوں گے کہ اللہ تعالیٰ میں آپ سے آپ ہی چاہتا ہوں ہاں میں آپ سے آپ کا تعلق چاہتا ہوں میں آپ سے ایک نسبت چاہتا ہوں میں آپ سے محبت چاہتا ہوں 
मैं आपकी महबूबी चाहता हूँ मैं आपसे आपको गर्व चाहता हूँ कौन दवा मांगता है अल्लाह तला से मांग कर तो देखो क्या बनेगा यू स्टार्ट वॉन्टिंग हेम स्टार्ट वॉन्टिंग यू देखो यू वॉन्ट मी यू आर प्रकारिंग मी यू आर वॉन्टिंग मी यू आर यर्निंग फॉर मी यू आर सर्चिंग फॉर मी यू आर स्ट्राइविंग फॉर मी अल्लाह तार्ट यर्निंग फॉर यू दिस इज द फिफ्थ वे to increase in our love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the last thing the special secret i wanted to tell you for tonight yes <laughs> special secret because that tonight i was telling you how to become the lover of Allah special secret allah hot much you are already the beloved of Allah yes <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> You are already, everyone here, you are already the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Akbar Kameera. Yes? What does that mean? Every human being has two phases in their life. Every mu'min has two phases in their life. In many ways we could use to explain this. I want to use two words, murid and murad. Either they are the murid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or they can become the murad of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Murid means that they themselves are seeking Allah, striving for Allah, obeying Allah, worshipping Allah, right? Asking for hidayah, asking for rahmah, asking for makhfara, asking for forgiveness, right? Properly, mainat say, talab say, Allah ta'ala kum manwana ki koshish karna. But they are murid. Every, and even actually even every human and every mu'min at least at some times in his life becomes the murad of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes? What does that mean? Sometimes Allah ta'ala reaches out to you even when you are not reaching out to Him. That also happens. Whenever that happens, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reaches out to you even though you are not reaching out to Him, at that moment you are the murad of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For example, Maybe you were driving and you stopped at a red light and you've probably heard the azan thousands of times in your life. But for some reason, when you were standing on the red light with the window down and the azan came, all of a sudden it impacted you. All of a sudden you felt it. All of a sudden you started thinking about praying. At that moment, you are not the seeker. You are the besot. At that moment, you are not the murid. You are the murad. At that moment, Allah Ta'ala was reaching out to you. This is called Hidayah. This, but this is what it means, Hidayah. Allah Ta'ala reached out to you. For another example I'll give you. Maybe some here could relate to the second one more. You have, you have faced many difficulties in your life. Many sorrows in your life. Many betrayals in your life. Many hurts, depressions in your life. And most of the time, you just got into depression. You just got sad. But now all of a sudden a particular type of worry comes to you that you do feel hurt, you do feel sad, but for some reason when you felt worried and sad, you thought, I should turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of a sudden you felt like making sajda. All of a sudden you felt like raising your hands in dua. Otherwise you were not, maybe, you were not a person. Your track record was that normally when you get worried, you simply just get sad and depressed. 
But all of a sudden, for some reason, this time, when you got this worry and difficulty, your heart's desire was to make du'a or turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does that mean? What? Where did that desire come from in your heart? Huh? It came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At that moment, you became his murad. At that moment, he's reaching out to you. Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, May yu'min billahi yahdi qalbahu. That that person who has iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala sends hidayah on their qalb, on their spiritual heart. So now, the trick would be, the way to work this special secret, is whenever this happens in your life, whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reaches out to you, even you are not striving for Him, even you weren't seeking Him, when Allah Ta'ala is seeking you, when you find that moment in which you are His murad, you should respond. You should say, Labbaik. You should go into that sajda. You should make that dua. You should turn to Him. Whenever He makes you His murad, make sure you become His murid. Whenever He makes you His murad, make sure you become His murid. And I told you, you're already the beloved. So Allah subhanahu wa in Qur'an al-Kareem. There are two things in Qur'an. One is, wujud mahabbat And one is, izhar mahabbat Right? And you know you need both. So the last thing I would explain to you tonight. Because sometimes people think, no, no, I love Allah subhanahu wa No. You need wujud mahabbat And you need izhar mahabbat Okay, again, I use the husband-wife relationship. Right? Can any man say, I, I say, okay, I'll make dua, the Allah Ta'ala, and go, as he be with them, just say, Muhammad karte, magar kabhi bhi zindagi mein azhar nahi karenge. Kiki azhar mahabbat ki koi zirat nahi? Asuchi is mahabbat ka hona hai. Koi aise nahi chahega. If I tell the woman, that you'll have a husband who loves you, but wo kabhi nahi, never. There'll be no nice, no affection, no kindness, nothing. Sab ko pata hai, ki dono chizhe ki zirat hai. How about if I give you a son? Right? Now let's look at Quran. Last thing to show you tonight. From Quran, this concept of Muhammad and Izhar Muhammad. When it comes to Izhar Muhammad, Allah Ta'ala makes us Murid first. He wants us to be Murid first, then we can become Murad. For example, Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, وَالَّذِينَ جَاهُدُ فِينَا لَدَهْدِيَنُّهُمْ سُبْلَنَا First you will be murid, first you will strive in my way, first you will show that you love me, then then I will surely guide you to many, many ways that come to me. First you will show you love me, then I will show that I love you. It's Bamahara English translation. First you will show you love me, then I will show I love you. Another ayah al said in Quran, Sadkuruni First you will remember me, then I will remember you. First you will be murid, then I will make you murad. First you show you love me, then I will show I love you. And another ayah of in Quran, First you will be pleased with me, then I will be pleased with you. First you will show your love to me, then I will show my love to you. But kurban jai us ghalpan, us Quran kareem ke us ayat mein, ja izhaar muhammad ka tazkara nahi, magar wujud muhammad, محبت کا ہونے کا تذکرہ ہے وہاں اللہ تعالیٰ نے کیا فرمایا یحبہم و یحبونہو وہاں پہلے اپنی محبت کا تذکرہ فرمایا اللہ تعالیٰ نے قرآن میں کہا کہ اللہ تعالیٰ آپ سے پہلے محبت کرتے ہیں پھر آپ بھی اللہ تعالیٰ سے محبت کر دو 
Yes. Yuhibbuhum wa yuhibbunahu. Allah Taala loves the believers. That wa yuhibbunu and the believers love him. So actually, the, not the end of Islam that you become the beloved of Allah. The beginning of Islam is that you're the beloved of Allah. <laughs> You've received this ayah of Quran. Some of our friends never even knew this verse existed in Quran before tonight. Yes? Yuhibbuhum wa yuhibbunahu. You should memorize this ayah of Qur'an. You should recite this ayah of Qur'an. This should become your taqiyya kalam. Yuhibbuhum wa yuhibbunahu. That Allah SWT loves the believers. Yuhibbuhum. And the believers love Allah SWT back. Yuhibbunahu. But though loves me Allah Taala ne pura dina islam kustamitli. Yuhibbuhum wa yuhibbunahu. Ye tha hamara ajraat ka pigham. Yeh Quran Kareem or Allah Subhanahu Taala ke pigham. Allah Taala se dua hai, dua goe. Allah Taala ham sab ko unki mahabbat karne wale aur unki mahabbat hasil karne wale mard aur aurat banaye wa aakhir daawana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Main dua Subhanallah bin Alamahamma Allahumma salli ala Sirunah Muhammad wa ala ali Sirunah Muhammadin wa barik wa sallam Rabbana dalamna anfusana wa illam takfir lana wa tarhamna lanakunna mina khasirin Rabbana ya Allah ya Rabbi Kareem Ya Allah you have given us each and every bounty and blessing that we have Ya Allah you have given us izzat you have given us sehat you have given us ta'aleem Ya Rabbi Kareem you give us the gift of iman the gift of Islam, the gift of Quran, the gift of Nabi alayhi salam, zalamna anfusana, yallah we've wronged our own selves, we've allowed ourselves to become distant from you, neglectful of you, disloyal to you, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you forgive us for the sin, we ask that you send your maghfara upon us on this night, we ask that you send your rahmah upon us on this night, Ya Rabbi Kareem, forgive us for the distance that has come between us, forgive us from the laziness that has come inside of us, Ya Allah, we want you to revive our hearts on this night. We want, we too want to be true mu'mineen, kamil mu'mineen, me'yari mu'mineen, sincere mu'mineen, loving mu'mineen, loyal mu'mineen, obedient mu'mineen, patient mu'mineen, virtuous mu'mineen, worshipping mu'mineen, noble mu'mineen. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you grant us all of the sifat and iman that you have mentioned in Quran. Let us do amal on each and every ayah where you address Justice is Alladina Amanu. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we are honored to be, have Iman in you. We are honored that you are our Rabb. Ya Allah, we ask that you make us true to our Iman. Let us lead a life of Iman. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you change our hearts, change our ways, inspire our hearts, inspire our minds. Ya Allah, we ask that you increase our hearts and our love for you, and our love for Quran, and our love for Nabi Salam, and our love for His Sunnah. Increase us in our love for all of your lovers. Increase us in our love for all of your beloveds. Ya Rabbi Kaleem, let there be nothing more beloved to us than you. And Ya Allah, we ask that you take out all the unlawful loves from our heart. Take out all the unlawful lusts from our heart. Take out all the unlawful feelings from our heart. Ya Allah, let us be attracted to your true beauty, Ya Allah. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Hamara Gunaku Ma Farma. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ghaltiyaku Ma Farma. Ghaflat Ku Ma Farma. Sustiku Ma Farma. Nakadriku Ma Farma. 
فرما رب کریم ہم اس ایمان کے اہل نہیں مگر یال ہم ایمان کے اہل بننا چاہتے ہیں ہمیں اس اہل بننے کا راستہ دکھا رب کریم ہمیں قوت نصیب فرما استقامت نصیب فرما ہمت عطا فرما دین میں چست ہونے کی توفیق عطا فرما رب کریم ہم خود اپنے دو رنگی سے توبہ کرنا چاہتے ہیں ہم خود اپنے دو رنگی سے تنگ آ چکے ہیں ہم آپ کی یک رنگی اپنانا چاہتے ہیں یال ہم رنگ لے کر آئے ہیں رنگ لینے کے لیے آئے ہیں سبغت اللہ والا رنگ ہمیں بھی نصیب فرما رب کریم ہمیں قرآن سنت شیر کے مطابق زندگی نصیب فرما رب کریم ہمیں کم از کم نمازی بنا نماز والا بنا ہم قضا نہیں کرنا چاہتے ہم آپ کے حکم کو نہیں توڑنا چاہتے رب کریم ہمیں نماز پڑھنے والا بنا اپنی طرف سجدہ کرنے والے بنا رکو کرنے والے بنا آپ کو قرآن پڑھنے والا بنا سبحان ربی العلی کا نعرہ لگانے والا بنا سبحان ربی العظیم کا نعرہ لگانے والا بنا ایک دن سراط مستقیم کا دعا مانگنے والا بنا رب کریم ہمیں فجر والا بنا زہر والا بنا اثر والا بنا مغرب والا بنا عشر وطر والا بنا رب کریم ہمیں بھی اپنی عبادت کی لذت نصیب فرما عبادت کا لطف عطا فرما سجد کا سرور عطا فرما نماز میں ذکر حاضری حضوری نصیب فرما رب کریم ہم آپ کے چاہنے والے بننا چاہتے ہیں دنیا کو چاہ چاہ کر تھک گئے ہیں رب کریم ہمیں اپنا پیاس نصیب فرما اپنا درد نصیب فرما اپنی محبت عطا فرما اس کی آتش ہمارے دلوں میں جلا یا رب کریم اللہ کریم ہمارے دلوں کو بھی اپنی محبت کے لیے قبول فرما رب کریم اب تک ہم آپ کو پہچان نہیں سکے اب تک آپ کو جان نہیں سکے یا اللہ مگر ہم آپ کے ماننے والے میں سے تو ہیں ہمیں چاہنے والے میں سے بنا دیجیے ہمیں چاہنے والے میں سے بنا دیجیے ہمارے اس ایمان کو محفوظ فرما ایمان کے صفات مومنانہ سے مزین بنا رب کریم نبی کریم سوسم کی سچی محمد نصیب فرما ان کی ظاہر باطن سیرت سنت سب کی محبت نصیب فرما ان کی سیرت حیات طیبہ سے استفادہ کرنے کی توفیق عطا فرما رب کریم ہمیں مدنی بنا مکی بنا رب کریم نبی نبی کریم سوسم کے سچا نمونہ بنا سچا امتی بنا رب کریم تمام مردوں کو سین یوسف علیہ السلام اور حیات نصیب فرما تمام عورتوں کو سین مریم رضی اللہ تعالیٰ حیا عطا فرما ہم بے حیا اکرائے ہیں با حیا بننا چاہتے ہیں رب کریم ہمیں با حیا بنا دیجئے ہم بے اخلاص ہیں با اخلاص بنا دیجئے بے ادب ہیں با ادب بنا دیجئے بے اخلاق ہیں با اخلاق با اخلاق بنا دیجئے رب کریم ہم بے تقوا ہیں ہمیں با تقوا بنا دیجئے تقوا کے لباس ہمیں پہنا دیجئے تقوا جیسے عظیم صفت ہمیں بھی نصیب کر دیجئے رب کریم اب تک نیک نہ بن سکے نیک بننے کی طلب لے کر آئے ہیں رب کریم وہ طلب ہمیں نصیب کر دیجئے ہمیں بھی نیکی تقوا کا شوق عطا کر دیجئے متقین بننے کے ارادے نصیب کر دیجئے رب کریم ہم متقین مؤمنین بننا چاہتے ہیں مخلصین مؤمنین بننا چاہتے ہیں مسلمین مؤمنین بننا چاہتے ہیں صابرین شاکرین ذاکرین متوکرین محسنین توابین اوابین قانتین مؤمنین بننا چاہتے ہیں رب کریم ہمیں معیار والا مؤمن بنا 
معیار والا مومن بنا کریم ہم اب گزارا سے گزارا نہیں کرنا چاہتے ہم آپ کے عاشق بننا چاہتے ہیں کریم ہمیں اپنے صحیح مال میں عاشق نصیب فرما کریم دنیا کی تمام حسنات ہمیں نصیب فرما ہر وہ رسک نعمت جس میں آپ کی نافرمانی اور غفلت نہ ہو وہ سب ہمیں نصیب فرما اور ہر وہ رسک اور نعمت جو آپ کا نافرمانی یا غافل ہونے کے سبب بنے ہمیں ان سب رسک نعمت سے پناہ نصیب فرما یار بکریم ہم سے راضی ہو جا ہمیں ویسے بنا جیسے تو راضی ہے ہمیں ویسے ادائیں دی ادائیں دے مزاج دے انداز دے سوچ دے جیسے تو راضی ہے اور یار بکریم ہمارا بولنا سوچنا ہمارا فیل کرنا کوئی ایسی چیز ہماری زندگی میں ہے جو آپ کو ادنا سے ادنا تر ناپسند ہے یعنی بکریم اس سے توبہ کرتے ہیں ہم بس اپنی پسند کے مطابق بنا دیجیے ہمیں آپ کی پسند حاصل کرنے والا بنا دیجیے یار بکریم ہمیں بھی اپنے محبوبین میں سے بنا یا اللہ ہمارے تمام دوست احباب کالیگس فرینڈس فیملی ممبرز جو اب تک آپ سے واقف نہیں جو آپ کی پہچان نہیں سکے یار بکریم ہم سب کو آپ کی محبت نصیب فرما آپ کی محبوبیت کا احساس عطا فرما In Bikrim, I ask that you enable us to feel you in our heart, to love you in our heart, to feel the love for you that you have, love for us that you have, and we want to feel it in our heart. In Bikrim, I ask that you unite us on this path of love for you. I ask that you make us united in our love for you.